Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello and welcome to another new episode of the Step Over Podcast. I am Jim Adair. With me as always is Max, insert pun here, Rappaport. I forgot to do it in the pod we did yesterday. And the la- I think the last two. days two, ago. I thought we were just done with that. I am the master of coming up with bits for the podcast and then giving up on them two episodes later. So that's it nice. keeps it fresh. Uh, it does keep it fresh. It's nice. Speaking of things that are fresh... Segway. Uh, Sixers got a, a fresh roster turnover in the last couple of days. Um, four outgoing players, am I correct? I'm thinking off the top of my head here. Because three in the in the Harris deal, three coming back, and then sending Fultz away yesterday. So that's a four-player mm-hmm. turnover, essentially. Um, they also acquired Malachi Richardson, who they bought out. Um, but yeah, so we talked about uh, Boban and Tobias and Mike Scott a little bit already. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more. They had their introductory press conference yesterday. But the most notable thing that happened in the time since we last spoke, uh, which was right about, what, two or three minutes before the deadline yesterday, uh, the Sixers traded Markel Fultz to the Orlando Magic for uh, a sec- or Jonathan Simmons, a second, and a first-rounder, which they had already owned once and then gave away and then got back. Um Fun little trade that pick uh, as a top twenty protected OKC first rounder, uh, which the Sixers originally acquired when trading away Jeremy Grant and getting that pick and Ersan Ilyasova, and then that's the pick they used to move up to pick everyone's favorite piece Ooh. of Euro trash on Zayspasechnik. Man, that guy sucks. Yeah, yeah. Who would have he thought? He's very. Who would have thought a seven-two uh, center who can only dunk? Uh, and isn't that athletic? As 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 we're yeah. about to talk so, about Boban and his uh, his contributions to the team, yeah. a seven three center who uh, can uh, dunk uh, and not yes. a ton else. <clears throat> a quick note on Pesetchniks. I think I've said this before, but I had an eye on him going into that draft because he was kind of slowly climbing a lot of draft boards. And you know, when you someone's slowly climbing a draft board like that, and you're like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the most uh, I don't pay the most attention to college basketball until it's basically uh, draft time. But I'd never heard of this Anz H. Pesechnik, dude. I never heard anyone even like mention him. Not even like low-key, like anything. It was just like all of a sudden he was like sneakily climbing up some of these draft boards. Um, and I remember, I think it was the the Ringers like big, big mock right before the draft. They had him going to the Trailblazers at whatever pick it was, which I think... Uh, was either the I think the Sixers when they made that trade to get him they traded to jump in front of that pick or they were right behind it whichever one it was but so they, that was actually accurate where he was going to land um, but I think what that was uh, as he is I believe Latvian 
was very much what I always said that was poor Dragon Bender's problem, which is he's a tall, skinny European guy who can shoot a little bit, uh, who came into the draft after Porzingis, who everyone thought would be a project and wasn't really a project. So everyone was like, oh, well, this guy's going to be the next Porzingis, and it kind of fucked him over. Like, Dragon Bender being the player Dragon Bender is is not Dragon Bender's fault. Everyone just expected so much more from him because Porzingis mm-hmm. came right before him. And it's the same thing with, with Andy Pashyunk, except for he's, like, barely floating along in Grand Canaria or whatever he's playing. So, yeah. It's not like they just j- grabbed him out of nowhere. But he does suck. Yeah. I wonder who the next uh, fat European combo guard who's, like, 18 or 19 who's going to get drafted in the top 10 uh, after after Who was the, who after, was the guy uh, that we liked? Donchich. Who was the guy that we liked... Uh, who didn't get drafted? I don't even know if you. I think he might have pulled out of the draft. Oh, you're talking about went, the dude, played for the really athletic dude Megalex. for Megalex. Yeah, um, he's coming out. Costa uh, Kosta Mashidi. He's. I think he's coming out this year. Hey, there we go. I, I think he's in Keep this upcoming Kosta draft. Mashidi. But I think he's like a second round prospect at this point. Um, hey, I think I just looked at that. Got some recently. second round picks to use. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to things that aren't stupid as hell. Um, so that's the false trade. I will say I tweeted before. Uh, a couple hours before the deadline, I was watching ESPN, and Bobby Marks was talking about, um, like, oh, Sixers, you know, keep an eye on Mark Fultz, but they probably want to trade him. And he said, like, almost exactly like this. He's like, you know, they'll trade him, get, like, a uh, you know, first-round pick. Like, kind of just like he was, like, throwing it out there, like, didn't really think about it too much. And I tweeted that, and basically everyone's response was, do that deal right now. I would kill to get a first-round pick of, you know, you would be protected, but a first-round pick for Mark Fultz. And I kind of laughed it off, like, there's no way they're going to get that. And they got that and then some. Uh, Jonathan Simmons isn't great, but he's, he's not a slouch. Uh, you got that second, and that pick, that OKC pick is protected, but it seems likely to convey uh, where it's sitting right now. So mm-hmm. uh, that was a good deal. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, when it came down, um, I think if you'd asked me before the deadline, I would have been a little underwhelmed by getting... You know, Jonathan Simmons, who's underperformed this year and is expiring, basically. I mean, he has he's on the books next year for five and a half million or something, and uh, one million of that's guaranteed. So I guess it's kind of a you'll see what you get out of him. But I think with where the Sixers are, um, the having the flexibility of not having him on the July one roster and having the five and a half million get guaranteed, like he might get released before that or or stretched. Um, but. Uh, I would have been a little underwhelmed, but I think as soon as the trade went down, I was just like, man, I'm just happy to not have to do this anymore. Like, it yeah. it feels a lot like the Okafor and Noel situations, um, where it was just hanging over yeah. the team for so long. and just felt like this, even as good as the Sixers were this year, and the fact that Fultz wasn't even around, it was just this, like, question mark of, like, what you have moving forward, and when's he going to come back, and... Like, all the yeah. drama around it. Like, I'm just kind of happy to move on from that. And I don't think it like was affecting the team in any kind of real way, but it just feels better as a fan to not have to do this anymore. Yeah. And I think I get the general sense too. And it's the same thing when the Okafor deal happened. Like I was, you know, I'm, I, I said, I'm like, I, I don't know if we'll put it together. I hope he does. I hope he has a great career. It's just, it was never going to happen here. And I feel the same way about, about this a little bit where it's like, it was obviously a bad place. Uh, a bad mix with the two with timeline now with with the team going into kind of like accelerating the the window so that timeline doesn't line up anymore having the money on the books when you're trying to use all that money um 
not great and just like the fit i mean it just didn't seem to work out that well so i hope the best for him in orlando uh i think you know hopefully it'll be great it'll it'll work out for everybody it just wasn't going to happen here and when you look at you know uh this this situation would have been say this happened you know say say they had the time went all haywire and they drafted markel fultz number one instead of ben simmons that year like say they were in the same draft right and you know you just dealt with the Embiid injury, you know. You have some time. You're still kind of in a in a quote unquote rebuild era. Like they would have been fine, kind of waiting it out more and more. But now the way the team is structured, it just doesn't match up with what's going on. You know, you can't hold off all that money uh, for someone who, even if they get up to a level that is not like the highest of their potential, but like pretty good like still would probably have to fight for a little bit of minutes depending on how you're structuring your team at the buyout market and going into next year you know they might grab somebody in that same position who could play over him and the, the money doesn't match up to the value you're getting out of the player so uh yeah happy it's over it's a bit of a bummer the whole thing uh but wishing the best you can still buy your ice i believe in markel fultz t-shirts on stepoverstore.com <laughs> if you tell all your orlando magic friends about our website um, and it'll be good going forward. I think that's good. And also, yeah, no returns. Sorry. Your Hesse pull-up Jimbo shirt <laughs> can be donated to your local Goodwill if you'd like. You can continue to wear it. Um, I did, in fact, uh, we'll talk about him in a second, but I did, in fact, donate my uh, I was wrong about Nick Stauskas shirt. So someone's wearing that somewhere, but it ain't me. Uh, so, yeah. No, no, no take backs. I think we were wrong about Nick Stauskas like seven different times. Positively yeah, I mean, it and could negatively. Mean different stuff. Yeah. Like I could have made an I was wrong about being wrong about Nick Stauskas shirt, you know. But hey, the next move now after these trades is the buyout market to kind of shore up your team going into the postseason. Um, there are a bunch of guys out there. Uh, some are already getting snagged up. Uh, most of the talent on the buyout market seems to be in the the three four positions, which uh, Sixers are pretty deep at currently, and don't really you know couldn't really find minutes for guys. Uh, but one of the people who is on the buyout market in the two spot two guard, which is a spot you could use backup minutes at, is Nick Stauskas, Everyone, and I think Max and I were talking before. I am on board with bringing Nick Stauskas back. Yeah. I, I definitely I definitely want Nick Stauskas back. I you mean, sound very excited. I'm about very it, excited about bringing Nick Stauskas back, uh, so I can be wrong about him once again. I, yes, once more. It really is unfortunate, um, just the way the buyout market's played out, because, uh, like you said, there are a bunch of good three fours, even some fives, and it's like the last thing the Sixers need right now. Um, you could maybe make a case that bringing in a, a three would be nice, because. Uh, Jim, you you were making this point earlier because I, I just wasn't really thinking about this that Butler can always slide to that to that two position if you need him the to, two spot, yeah. and if you got you know even like a Markeith Morris, like Markeith Morris could play the four a little bit. Harris is at the three, Butler's at the two, or you know whatever combination of that. Um, so so yeah. I'm not totally set on it. it. Needs to be a two or a one, um, but it's just unfortunate because you lost that on Ellington, you lost that on West Matthews. Those were the two most obvious fits uh also two of the best buyout mm-hmm. candidates um and you know it just seems like there's there it, the buyout market right now is flush with talent that doesn't really help you as much and right uh if you're if you're looking at this season as an opportunity to make a run for the finals uh having a guard rotation that 
beyond Ben Simmons and JJ, your backups are TJ McConnell and and Jonathan Simmons and Zaire. If he ever comes back, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think he will come back this season, but who knows if he'll be actually be in the rotation. He might just be playing for this, for the, the blue coats, you know, depending on where he's at physically. Um, you know, Butler and Korkmaz can play a little bit too, but like that's just not where you wanted to be. Like if you could have just gotten one guy to to fill in that spot, you'd feel pretty good because your starting five obviously is you know arguably the best in the East, um, one of the best in the NBA, and then you know your your primary backups at this point are Boban, Mike Scott, James Ennis, TJ, and Jonathan Simmons, which isn't terrible. But if you had one other guy who is a little bit more of a, a factor, I think that would. Yeah, you know someone else who's more at the like NSTJ level because I think Jonathan Simmons is a real question mark. He's been pretty pretty shitty this year, honestly. Yeah, and it's it's it was a bit unfortunate because the Sixers made the Tobias Harris trade the day before the deadline, which actually there was a lot of activity the day before the deadline mm-hmm. this year. I don't remember it being like that last year, but uh, and you're thinking, oh wow, they just positioned themselves, you know, to be first in the East, all this, and then the deadline day came and you went, oh, it's right, other people can do trades too. Uh, which happened with uh, two of the other top four teams in the East. Uh, the Raptors acquired Marcus Saul, uh, gave up 2024 second round pick CJ Miles, Delon Wright, and Jonas Valanciunas. Um, that is, some would say an upgrade, some would say a bit of a wash. Uh, I think it's an upgrade, especially when it comes to playoff time. Um, Marcus Saul is very talented he's older and he's getting more a little bit more washed but he's still a very big body who is a really good passer a pretty good shooter and can do a lot of damage um so that's dangerous and then uh elsewhere the bucks the goddamn bucks got nikola miritich uh in a it was essentially a three player three team deal and also three player deal or four player deal miritich jason smith stanley johnson uh, and Thon Maker all moved around while well, the Pelicans got Smith and Johnson and then a uh, bunch of second round picks. Uh, that's a huge upgrade. That's enormous. But the Bucks basically playing uh, the basketball equivalent of like literally like give give me Giannis and then like anybody else like you have to be able to shoot a bunch of threes. That's like our te- the way the team's structured. And that's a very dangerous thing because when it comes to playoff time, especially and the way the Sixers have been playing for the last what feels like a hundred years. Uh, they love to rotate the little hard hearts out and then somehow still leave a wide open dude in the corner for a three pointer. Um, so that's gonna be dangerous too. But I, I do think after this, that they are at the least, probably the second best team in the East currently. Uh, I still think the first is probably Toronto. Um, and then, or sorry, I think the first is Milwaukee and then the Sixers, but the Sixers in Toronto are like pretty close at 2-3. And I think Milwaukee's got a, a good step and a half up. Um, but yeah, where would you rank the top three? And Boston's fucking whatever. Yeah, uh, Boston's a question yeah. mark. They, they so could, by, by the end of the year, they could be right up there. It's kind of hard to say. Yeah, but I just don't want to give them any credit yeah. right now. Um, you know, honestly, I, th- I think the Bucks are, I, I do really like the Bucks. I'm, I'm more concerned about the Raptors at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just look at the Bucks and... Obviously, Giannis is the best player in the East. They're super good this year. I think the matchup now that the the Raptors have Gasol concerns me a little bit more. Um, you know, you look at the Bucks yeah. and it's like the, they have Brooke Lopez who's playing great this year, but 
definitely not a guy I'm concerned about, you know, if Embiid and Boban are your, are your bigs. Um, you know, they've been running a lot of, like, small ball just because uh, beyond that, they have Christian Wood is, like, their only other, and, and Ilya Sova, the only other guys in the roster the who can l- legitimately play, yeah, the cross, who can legitimately play center. And then you got, like, Giannis playing small ball sometimes. Now you have Miritich. Like, I, I feel okay about as talented as they are and as, you know, um, uh, the shooting they have is incredible. But I guess I feel like the Sixers play to that strength uh, where they just have two mm-hmm. centers who they just, I don't, I don't think the Bucks can really hang with. Uh, the Raptors I'm a little more concerned about because I was already concerned because they're really good and they play well together and they're kind of like Spursy in that way. And Kawhi is obviously, uh, you know, one of the best players in the league and is playing like it this year. Yeah. Uh, but having Gasol, I think, really just puts them in a, in a great position. Because I think in that series, uh, if you can imagine a series against the Sixers, I think Gasol plays a lot, um, and they really mm-hmm. lean on him in a way that most other teams in the East just don't have that guy um, who can yeah. contend with Embiid. And I think Gasol is one of five, six, seven players in the league who aren't going to stop Embiid, but at least can like bang with him. There just aren't that many guys who can yeah. do that. And a lot of teams are... A, a total mismatch in that sense where you just know Embiid's gonna gonna toast him and I don't feel like Gasol is not one of those guys I feel like Gasol can kind of hold his own a little bit against Embiid yeah you absolutely can uh let's take a quick break here and we'll be back with a little bit more all right and we're back uh Max I want to talk a little bit about the team as it's structured now with uh the three new players uh at least three of of the the new players uh being available tonight to play um, but first, I want to. I, I found a fun stat. It's not that really that fun, and it's barely a stat. But I found something, and I like to talk about stuff. Okay. Like this. Um, I was thinking about. Uh, I don't know how I came across this, honestly, but uh, it's something that's worth thinking about. Like, so, so LeBron obviously is not a very common first name, and Giannis is the same way. But a lot of the really good players, you know, outside of Kawhi, even. A lot of the really, really good players in the NBA have very, you know, generic-sounding common names. Mm-hmm. But this is I very much not that a stat. Only, <laughs> this is like no, it's not. If there, if I told you there is only one first name that repeats in the top twenty players in box plus minus, uh, value over replacement player, defensive BPM, and win shares, only one first name appears more than once. Could you guess what that you first said? It's name defense, is? defensive box plus minus in addition to real plus minus and some other stuff. What was it? No, it's box plus minus, win shares, uh, VORP, and defensive. Box I'm plus go. Minus. I think I know what it is, and it's it's surprising, right? Is yeah. it Nikola? It's not. It's not Steve. It is Nikola. Yeah. Yeah. I feel good about that. And I also looked it up. There, are, of the three main Nikolas in the <laughs> league, and I might be a fourth one. I'm unaware of. They average. A win share of 5.77 win shares per Nikola. Man, we need a Nikola on our team. Are there any other Nikolas who are just floating around? I don't know. But, like, I wonder if, like, on average, win shares, that's the highest in the league. There's three Nikolas. They're all pretty good. You know, not really that many Kevins. Not many Clints, Russells, you know? Surprising. Very few Clints. Win shares per per Nikola. That's my new stat. Um, all right, Max. So we are going to see uh, the debut of Bobby, Toby, and Mike Scott tonight. And we just found out um, uh, James Ennis tonight also. And James Not Ennis Jonathan as well. Okay. Simmons, so. uh, 
Yes. Uh, and we also found out that currently Embiid is questionable with illness. So might get a... Uh, I don't think we get a Boban start. Probably not. But could get a Boban start tonight. Um, what are you most looking forward to? I mean, game one, uh, when you bring wholesale change into a team, especially a player at the level of Tobias Harris, you're going to have to get involved in the offense a lot. Game one is not going to be, you know, you can't watch game one and be like, oh, they're not going to be able to use them right. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's the first game. They just got here. I probably had like one team meeting, didn't have time to practice with the team. It's going to take some time to, to get them involved and to really work it out. But what is your, what's the main thing you're looking for tonight for uh, those three guys? Let's, let's be honest, mainly Tobias Harris and how he fits into the game plan. Yeah, so I think the thing I'm looking for most, um, and th- this kind of relates to uh, one of my favorite tweets of yours from Summer League. I can't remember if it was this past. No, this can't this, be good. This past year, the year before, uh, the like the uh, public service announcement that like just remember if your players suck in Summer League, it doesn't matter because it's Summer League, and if they're awesome, uh, they're the next lebron because it's summer league and yeah that means something uh kind of the same way it's like if they struggle tonight and it looks disjointed and um you know the the way the offense works with triple handoffs and whatnot like and and motion like just doesn't work with tobias harris like i'm not as concerned about that like that makes sense to me that you come in and, and just aren't expecting uh uh the fit to be there right away and for for there to be some growing pains however if what I'm, I guess I'm looking for is, uh, are Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler willing and able to change? Because I think those are the two who are going to have to really change their role. Are those two guys willing mm-hmm. and able, and does it work for them to take a bit of a step back offensively? I think Simmons just being more of a distributor um, and picking his spots. Jimmy Butler probably focusing more on the defensive end and uh, less on ISO as a scorer. If they're able to do that in this first game, I don't think that means like we're out of the woods and that it's definitely going to work. But I think that would be really promising if you just see that 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 uh, distribution of touches and um, like commitment to for, for Ben to be more of a distributor and, and Jimmy to to be more of a two way guy. Um, not that he isn't already, but just like really put a lot of focus on the defensive end and as a as a passer also. Uh, I'd feel really good about that. What I'm, my biggest concern about this isn't like their actual ability to fit. It's that, you know, like legitimately Jimmy Butler is going to have to take for this to work properly. He's going to have to take a step back from where he's been offensively this year and like his his workload. Mm-hmm. And Ben Simmons is going to have to do that, too. And I'm less concerned about Simmons just because um, if anything, his problem to this point in, in his career has been not being aggressive enough, with the exception of recently, he's been really aggressive offensively. Uh, Jimmy Butler, that's that really hasn't been a problem with the Sixers, so I'm I'm a little more concerned about that. And honestly, even Embiid probably needs to like change up a little bit of what he's doing. I think he's the best player on the team, and he's you know their best offensive player too. Uh, but you know, I think everyone just needs to sacrifice a little bit. So I just want to see how well that goes in this first game. But I, I think at the same time, if it's if it's not there, I, I'm not like you know panicking. Yeah, I think. If anything, you know, talking about for Embiid's adjustment, um, if anything, it's just an extra pair of good shooting hands you can pass to, right? Because Embiid has been doing a little bit. I mean, obviously, he's a high usage player, uh, but he's been doing a, a good job, I feel like, this year of being in the post and passing to 
the open man in the corner for a three. It just so happened that those open men in the corner for a three were Wilson Chandler and Mike Muscala. Now, if you put <clears throat> Tobias Harris out there, then I think it's a big improvement. And if you can keep doing that and keep looking for him, uh, maybe even more so, because I don't know if he was looking, he would be driving on the post and sees Muscala wide open. He's like, ah, maybe not now. Um, but yeah, just keeping that, that's number one. Uh, I think for Tobias Harris himself, I would like to see him kind of, you know, not not get like inside his own head and like try to do too much, but like, you know, try to be a little bit more than just like, you know, if they're just going to give you the ball for spot up shooting, like drive a little bit, pass a little bit, because he's a smart, he's a really smart player. I think he has the ability to do that. And like, I feel like, you know, coming into a new team, you get the ball, you want to shoot a little bit first. Uh, you don't really, if you start driving and someone starts cutting and you're colliding with each other because you don't know the the way the offense is running quite yet, that's bad. So um, I think the aggressiveness is kind of like tempered back a little bit for a lot of people uh, as you kind of feel the team out and feel your fit within the team out. But I'd love to see him just come out and just just play like he's been here all year and then just let, you know, let if, if you fumble the ball around a little bit, you run into each other, you run into each other. Um, mm-hmm. But just to come out because there's really not a lot of time um, to find that rhythm. And the goal is basically to find that rhythm before the playoffs, no matter, you know, if you lose some games in the middle of there because you're not really quite there yet, that's fine. you got to find that rhythm by the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I just want to see that. And, and I just want to see Boban touch the rim when he's standing on the ground. Yeah, that's and, uh, that's the biggest yeah, thing. That's, yeah. Also, I found the tweet. Uh, it says, reminder for the summer league when rookies play. If they look bad, it's just summer league. If they look good, brag on Twitter. Yeah. It was from July 3rd, 2017. Man, that was definitely a Markel yeah. Fultz related uh, related tweet. It had to be because two days later I was drinking a Coors Light. That's not good. Wait, why does that tell you that it was that a Markel was... Fultz related tweet? Because I only I only need I would only drink Coors Light if I really needed a drink, and it was the only thing in the house. So if if I'm watching summer league and I'm like, God, I need a goddamn beer, I can only imagine it was Fultz related. Um. So. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I think James Ennis too. Like I, I don't want to totally overlook that. I think it's actually a really nice pickup to get him for nothing. Um, and I think he's actually I would envision him playing a lot. And actually, Mike Scott too. I think him and Mike Scott and yeah. Boban. I think Boban all all three of the guys beyond Harris and and Simmons who they got. I think are good. I think Simmons probably too. Uh, I think they're all going to play a pretty significant role more more than you would maybe expect. For players their level, which says something about uh, where the Sixers are at in terms of depth, and it's not great, mm-hmm. but uh, better than it was a week ago, at least. Yeah. There's also the point, you know, when you get to the playoffs, you know, the uh, the the common wisdom is that rotations shrink. So if you're running the 10-man rotation, 11-man rotation, you can tr- tr- shrink that down to like eight or nine in the playoffs. Um, but injuries do happen. You never know. Someone can start playing really well. So... Yeah, like Jonathan Simmons, for example, might not really be coming in with like the idea that might, people might be thinking like, oh, he'll be part of the playoff rotation. But you got to see what you have in him on your team. So, and I think I'd imagine that there will be times down the stretch of the end of the year where it's clear the bench time in the fourth quarter because there's a nice little league going, and I think that's when you probably run people like that out. And if you get somebody else in the buyout market, get a lot of minutes there too. Um, and that's when you really kind of see what they can give you in the long term. But I think right now, like, it looks like you could probably right now, like, without thinking about maybe another buyout person, fairly accurately lay down what the what the playoff rotation will be. 
I'm not going to do it, but you could probably do it. Yeah. Well, I also think like even in the regular season, obviously in the playoffs, you're going to lean more on your starters and you have more time in between games and the games mean more. So you just you you kind of lean on those guys in terms of minutes. But I think even where they're at right now, like you envision, you know, with with a starting lineup of Ben Simmons, J.J. Butler, Harrison and Bede, like. Am I wrong in thinking that Ben Simmons, Butler, Harrison, and Bede probably play between like thirty-four and thirty-eight minutes almost every game? No, like I don't if think there, so. If there's no injuries, my, own, you... my only go ahead. Yeah, my only concern with that would be uh, the JJ. But I think I mean it seems like he's getting some rest now for for different uh, age-related deficiencies, most <laughs> likely. Even though he's in like incredible shape, uh, so you know. Maybe it comes to the point where towards the end of the season he needs to wrestle a little bit more, or maybe he just got a few, some fewer minutes in the playoffs just because he's not 100. percent Yeah. But that's the only like reason I could see, like yeah, an injury or like a soreness, or that's the only reason I can really see why you would mess with that rotation. Well, yeah, like I left I left Redick out of that uh, just because he's playing 31 minutes a game this year and he's older. Yeah. Um, but the other guys, you know, it's like Ben Simmons playing 34 minutes a game, uh, and Bede's playing 34 minutes a game. Butler's playing 33. Um, you know, Tobias Harris this year is playing, I think, like 34 or 35 and is young. Um, but there's yeah. there's no reason to think that, you know, let's even let's even be conservative and say it's like 32 or th- 30 minutes each, right? Like, at that point, it, it, or let's say it's 30, you know, let's say JJ plays 30, uh, the other four play something like 32. Like, that's not that many minutes that you need to figure out. It's 16 minutes backing no. up JJ, and maybe some of that's even Jimmy Butler sliding over. Um, probably yeah. the rest, if that is the case, you probably fill the rest of that with Ennis and Jonathan Simmons, like the, those two slots. TJ only has to play 12 minutes, 14 minutes, backup point guard. Um, Scott, same thing, like 12 minutes. Um, Boban plays like 10 minutes, you know, 12 minutes off the bench. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right, you know, and I think having, you know, more pieces having Mike Scott having Boban is huge. Like Boban is among players who have played more than a thousand minutes in their NBA career is fourth all time in player efficiency rating. So you have one of the all time greats backing up your center. I thought he was first um, all time. <clears throat> he was at one point, but has dipped down a little <sighs> bit. First all time is now once again, Michael Jordan at 27.9. Yeah. Uh, and then LeBron at 27.6, uh, Anthony Davis at 27.4, Boban at 27.1. Dude, I am I am super excited. I think it's like the perfect fit. Um, you know, knock on wood, uh, hoping that uh, Embiid stays healthy and is able to play yeah. normal minutes. But if if you have him playing, you know, like, like we were just talking about, if he's playing 32, 34 minutes a game, like having Boban just come in for 12, 14, 16 minutes yeah. and just be Boban, like that's, that's kind of perfect. Like having a situation where you only yeah. need your backup center for – a few minutes a game and he can just come in and do what he does. Like he is super efficient in short bursts like that. Yeah. I mean, with his size, his size is obviously a huge advantage, but at the same time, you know, doesn't have the stamina of a lot of other players and, you know, he's not a fleet of foot uh, is a good way to say it. Um, but yeah, in, in short bursts, he's a very good player, you know, when he's able to be, in the position to, to be that, you know, mm-hmm. just grab one handed rebounds and just put the ball right back in. Cause he's, no one could even reach the ball. Like that's what you, you know, I think people who only know of Boban as like a funny presence or like uh, a jokey thing 
and have never really like watched him play are going to be like pleasantly surprised. Like he's not incredible, but they'll be pleasantly surprised at how good he actually he's is. He's pretty skilled. Like that that's the thing. Like he's yeah. he's surprisingly like skilled around the basket. Um he's a decent enough free throw shooter like he's not just like a freak seven foot three guy like he's actually like if he if he had more endurance i think he'd be really good he shoots like 76 percent from the line which is crazy for a guy whose hands yeah. are five times the size of my hands yeah it's like imagine that that would be like imagine saying the free throw line and trying to trying to use the the shooting form of a basketball and shoot a tennis ball into the into the net yeah like the tennis ball is very small, and it's still probably pretty hard. And that's what it's like probably for him holding the basketball. So. Um, there was one other thing I, I just had in my head that I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say about, about Boban, something that um, is also mm. really interesting about that pickup that I really like. As we, we were talking earlier about uh, the Bucks, they came up with the Bucks and Raptors, but just how other teams really typically don't have someone who can you know, defend Embiid. Uh, I mean, really, nobody does. He's one of the best players in the league. But even just a guy who, like, physically can match up with him. Um, I think this trade is really interesting, and the addition of Boban's really interesting because it creates a situation where for all 48 minutes in a game, you can have either Embiid or Boban at, at center. And I just don't think there are many teams in the league who can defend that. Um, you know, typically, when, when Boban was with the Clippers or Detroit before, I guess Detroit had... Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, had Andre Drummond, which is like similar, but mm-hmm. I think Embiid's more of a, a physical presence than, than Drummond, even. Uh, but yeah, you would think like, okay, if you're, uh, I guess an example would be the Raptors. Like in the past, they would have thrown Valanciunas out against uh, against Boban, and Abaka can play center the other times. Um, or right. now they would use Gasol in that way. It's like, you can't really do that because you need those guys against Embiid. Uh, so a lot of teams mm. who have a backup big who's small or even a starting big who's small and use a backup uh, m- might start um, a, a larger backup against the Sixers because of Embiid are now going to have to match up whoever their other big man is with Boban, who's physically imposing. Um, so I think it, it has like an interesting... Uh, tinge to it like strategic tinge where teams either have to over like Marc Gasol might have to play like 38 minutes in those games uh just because the yeah. Sixers have someone huge out there all the time or you get him in foul trouble because Embiid just does that and also Boban is someone who draws a lot yeah. of fouls because of his size so I think it's I think it, it creates like an interesting um you know I, I think Boban's a good backup but I also think that him being another huge dude really helps uh, in that in that way because teams just can't match up for 48 yeah. minutes against that plus he's Boban man. he's Boban I, it's kind of it's kind of crazy I can't, I can't believe we have Boban like after all I can't all believe this. we have Boban after all this the, the, this is what this whole thing was for the presser was amazing too like I know he's different he's a different guy but I, it made me realize how much I miss having Dario just having like a guy who yeah. speaks kind of like Good English, but like just just like funny enough, like just like off enough that it's really endearing, and and uh, mm-hmm. he makes like funny mistakes and stuff, and just like a guy who's goofy and you know learning American culture sort of thing, uh, like hi- yeah. like him doing the make it rain dance is uh, is amazing. Like we need more of that. Yeah. Also, uh, oh, all right. So I'll do a quick little story here. I once went to a uh, film screening. 
that was a double feature of Hot Fuzz and The World's End, the final two films of the mm-hmm. Cornetto trilogy that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did. And afterwards, there was a Q&A with all three of those guys, right? And everyone was asking Edgar Wright filmmaking questions. Uh, everyone was asking Simon Pegg filmmaking questions and questions about being in the Star Trek movies. And at one point, Nick Frost said, does anyone have any questions about pirate radio? <laughs> Which is a great movie, but like no one had any questions for for Nick Frost, and I felt that way about Mike Scott so bad. I'm like, someone ask Mike, please, someone ask Mike Scott a question, and then he gets asked a question about like contract in the off season, and he was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that shit, and I'm like, God, I love this guy. Yeah, no, I like my, yeah. I like Mike Scott it was great. a lot. I, I thought all three have a, like it's definitely a lot of personality added to the team. Um, Absolutely, in a, yeah. in a good way. I, I think I yeah. feel I feel really good about. Uh, I feel good about where the team's at, but I think these are easy guys to root for too. Just oh, nice. absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, um, all right, I think that's probably it, right, Max? I think that's it too. I, you know, it, yeah. something I, I'd kind of prepared, but we kind of talked about this last time. It's just, um, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be really interesting seeing what how this works with the four with the four big guys, um, and just like the flexibility they have now, having traded Markel Fultz. Uh, and for a guy in Jonathan Simmons whose contract is relatively small and who you can actually stretch yeah. uh, over mm-hmm. three years, making about 300000 counting about 300000 against your cap every year if you wanted to do that. Um, I think it puts them in a really interesting position. Like Again, they can create basically a full max spot, like a, a full, full max, like 10-plus year veteran max of $38 million this year while keeping all their guys... I think I think the trades make it a lot more likely that JJ comes back and probably that they re-sign mm. TJ McConnell and just like kind of use their uh, bird rights to, to bring guys back. But yeah. it also gives them gives them flexibility if they decide like, hey, we love Embiid, Simmons, and Tobias together. The Jimmy Butler thing didn't work out quite as well. We got you know uh, some interest from guys like Kyrie or. Kawhi would be amazing, or Katie, but I, I, I'm not really even considering that. Um, mm-hmm. But may, but you know, it's possible they go they go out this summer and they think, you know what, I, we want to use that money that was going to go to Jimmy on like three guys. You know, we want to bring back JJ. Right. We want to go right. out and sign a uh, backup shooting guard, and you know, but we want a, a, a guy who can be kind of our six man scorer. Like that that might be a nice right. that that flexibility is really nice. Uh, they might not do that, and yeah, I think bring absolutely. back Jimmy would be fine. But I, I think the the trades this this deadline um, set them up set them up well to have flexibility, even though they've given up uh, most of the assets that in the past had given them flexibility. Like they don't really have any of that left to make to make more trades, but they do have free agent flexibility and cap right. flexibility. Right. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at most teams who are are threatening to win a championship. Uh, they don't have a stockpile of assets to go out and improve their team typically because they've already done that, and that's why they're in the position they are. So, you know, except, it was always going to happen this way. Except for the Celtics, who have uh, four years in a row not traded in their assets. But are the Celtics in a position to win a championship? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Not my, this uh, my 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 new character is the guy who's convinced the Celtics are like a bottom four team in the league. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really paid attention to their record lately. Seems like they're pretty bad. Um, and they're paying $100 million to a guy to come off the bench and score nine points. So that's cool. Uh, but yeah, that's all we got. Uh, we'll be back soon enough. Uh, 
All-Star break's coming up. Might be doing like a, a, a short one over the break. Uh, and then other than that, we'll be back soon after. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya.